Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Today I'm going to go, we're in Matthew chapter 5. We read this last week, but I want to take a piece out of it and talk about it a little bit more today than what we did last week. So if you will turn to Matthew chapter 5, we were talking about the Beatitudes, and and remember we were talking about this is Jesus setting his disciples up for how they are to live life. In other words, the, the Sermon on the Mount is everything sort of Matthew pieced together for us of how as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I should be living life. Starting in verse 9, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Lord, this is your word, alive and active, and may it change us because of who you are today. In Jesus' name. So when you hear the word peace, what comes to mind for you? What does the word peace mean to you? I just looked it up in the dictionary and immediately the the most prominent uh, definition was freedom from disturbance. Second one, a state or a period in which there is no war or a war has ended. And I thought, how appropriate that today we talk about peace when Ukraine is still so heavy on my heart. I know, guys, I, I, I know sometimes it's easier for us not to think about Ukraine and, and it doesn't affect us, but it does. These, these are, these are our church people over there. You know, uh, ladies, we connected. If you wasn't here on Wednesday night with our speakers, um, Philip and Katie, and yes, I, I can say their name. It's okay. But we, we connected. So ladies that went on this trip, remember um, Cheryl told us about her trip to Russia, what is now Ukraine, and, and the trip that she took as a, as a college-age girl over there, remember? Over at Chernobyl. Philip was with her on this trip. Then he connected this part. So you've seen me, I've been sharing two different posts, two different people on Facebook, Sylvia and Z. Sylvia is the DS's wife of Ukraine. Sylvia was on that trip with them. They know Sylvia from that trip. That's how small our our Nazarene world is. It's that easy to connect. And if you haven't been caught up, Sylvia has made it into Poland. She's safe. They did not let her husband, Vovo, um, come across. He's still in Ukraine with his mother, because of his age, he wasn't allowed to cross the border. Um, but they are safe. They, they, they are okay. Um, Z is still in Kiev. If you want to know why I keep sharing her stuff, because her mom and parents, they stayed there in Kiev. Her husband, Sam, is fighting with the defenders. And we learned this past week, um, 
our general superintendent, Carla, shared with us that Z's mom is the first female Nazarene pastor that was ordained in Ukraine. So again, small, small things that we put together. So when I, when I was looking up peace, I thought, yeah, a, a period where there's no war, that's, that's what we pray for. And then there's these informal meanings of peace. So we know the, the friendly greeting, peace, right? Come on, who's done it? You know, you know as an eight-year-old, you, you've thrown the peace sign, right? Peace. In an archaic form, informal meaning of peace, it was used as an order to remain and be silent. Peace, be still. And then, of course, if you greet somebody with peace, you, as you leave, you what? Peace out, right? <laughs> so that's the informal. So you see, there's different meanings. But what was interesting as I was studying this, in this particular verse where Jesus called them peacemakers. So when he said, God blesses those who work for peace, this word is a peacemaker. This is the only place in the Bible this word is found. Now, the the base word for peace is used 91 other times in the New Testament. But this was a, a very specific thing. And to be called a peacemaker... In the Beatitudes, it's actually one of the harder things for us to live up to in this list. You know, one problem, I think, why it's so hard is because what we oftentimes think when we say peace. So our definition is different from what Jesus was talking about. Because Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers. And this is not a passive call. So it's no surprise that the peacemaker then, the very next verses talk about persecution and the struggles that we may undergo. Remember last week I said that these are not individual statements that we tear apart and live separately. This is to all be lived together. So when I live as a peacemaker, it's probably going to wind up causing some persecution in my life. What does it mean? The Greek word for peacemaker, I said, is is used only this one place. In the Bible, peace means, get this, because a lot of times when I think about peace, moms, if if I say, I just need a moment of peace and quiet. Number one, we go to the bathroom, we lock the door. Is that where we find peace, mommies? And hope our children don't learn to pick the locks. That's what I did to my poor mother. I knew how to pick the bathroom lock and she couldn't get away. But what we really mean is I need a moment with nothing. No kids. No crying. Nobody needs food. Nobody needs me for anything. Right? That's that's what we think of. We we think of peace as nothing. (laughs) And it's a good thing. But the Bible talks about peace, and it's not only freedom from trouble, but it's enjoyment of all things good in life. So peace in the Bible calls blessed. It doesn't come from evasion of problems. 
You know, when we, when we go on vacation, I'm, I'm fixing to go on vacation and, and so yeah, we disconnect and we don't think about problems, but what happens when we come home? It's always still there, right? Like, have you ever drove home and like been just, it seemed like every mile closer to home you got more depressed because you knew that what you left was there? I saw, I saw a life hack this week that I wish I was good enough to live by, but you're supposed to clean your house before you go on vacation. Anybody know this trick? I don't know this trick. And the whole point, of course you know this trick. You raised your hand, didn't you, Claudette? Of course she does. Claudette, come clean my house before my vacation. <laughs> but the whole point, the whole reason we are supposed to do this is so that you're not stressed when you get back. Because of everything you left and ran away from. So peace in the Bible that, that Jesus called blessed, it's not about evading issues. In fact, it's about coming face to face with them. It's about dealing with them. It's about conquering and overcoming them. In Strength Finders, some of you know, I've talked about this before, um, and it's a test you take, and there's 34 strengths, and it tells you what your top five are. SNU makes their students do this, and, and I took the test and, you know, have my strengths. But one of these strengths, and I don't have this one, is harmony. And harmony simply means that this person, they are so intently wanting everybody to just get along. Surprisingly, Alex has this. Alex is our little harmony kid. And it made such perfect sense. Like some of his other strengths, I was like, I don't know. I think you flubbed the test. I think you flunked it. Only you could flunk this test, you know? But when we studied harmony, I said, that is so you. Because he was the little peacekeeper of the family. And so, like, he he cannot stand when people are arguing around him. He wants them to just just stop, you know? And and he told me used to, because man, me and Brittany, we used to clash so hard, and 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 probably 90% of it was my fault. Because I was a bad mama. I really was. I, I was dealing with, yes, thyroid issues that, man, that's like gas and fire when you have a teenage daughter. Yeah. Isn't it fun, Paula? You understand me. Thank you. I'll, I'll just preach to you for a minute. But then Alex was our little peacekeeper, and I didn't know this. He used to go in Brittany's room, and he would just tell her, stop it. You know what you're doing irritates mom worse, so just stop so y'all will stop fighting. He was our little peacekeeper, and he still is. Now, he's a little agitator too, but he was the peacekeeper. He still does it with his friends, right? But there's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. How are they different? A maker may live inside the chaos and the war while they're striving to find peace, while they're striving to deal with the problem. You see, Alex didn't know how to deal with the problem. He couldn't change what was happening. Because he didn't understand, mom is so chemically unbalanced right now, she is just a loon. And he don't understand teenage girls, who does, right? So a peacekeeper 
doesn't want anyone to rock the boat, right? They're, they're always evading the problems. Don't worry about what the problem is. Just everybody sit down and be still. Just stop. So a, a, a keeper doesn't fix problems. They just want to calm things, right? But see, Jesus said, blessed are those who work for peace. In other words, they're trying to figure out. So, so peace with Ukraine and Russia, it's not just about military stopping. It's about, there's a problem we gotta fix. Maybe that's taking somebody out of leadership, but there's problems they've got to address when this is all over. In fact, Z's post that I shared this morning, she said the road to recovery is hard, but we'll take it. We'll do it. Because here's the deal. There's a lot of family relationships, friend relationships that have been busted because of this war. Because these are not just perfect strangers in Russia coming against them. They have family. They have friends that this has divided. So it's going to take a peacemaker to bring peace over there. Someone who is going to do the work. Jesus said those who work, will be called, they'll be called children of God, sons of God. Now, I used to kind of struggle with this, and as I was studying, it finally kind of came clear to me. So with, with the language of the old Bible, Sometimes their wording is a little bit shy of what we have. So like if you said, when it says a, a sons of peace, we might say peaceful man. It's an adjective. So when, when Jesus says they'll be called sons of God, children of God, it's, it's actually saying then that they're doing God-like work. It's describing this work of peace is a God-like work. In other words, remember, Jesus is telling his disciples, this is who you're going to become. This is who you'll become. And when we have the, the Spirit of God living in us, he wants us to be peacemakers. Jesus' whole purpose, remember, is to what? Establish right relationship with people to God. That's the whole redeeming work of Jesus. Because our relationship with God is broken. Now the Jewish rabbis, as they would teach about peace, the highest task that they taught, which anyone could perform, is to establish right relationship with other people. The most Revered highest task that a person could do is the restoration of right relationship. And that's what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and when he was resurrected. He redeemed our relationship to God. Now as disciples of Christ, we're to go out sharing the word to make peace. For people to become restored. So in essence, we actually, another way to read verse 9, Oh, the bliss of those who produce right relationships one with another, for they are doing God-like work. I don't know about you, but that put that whole verse in a whole other form for me. 
And it's important that we kind of distinguish that peacemaking is not just being passive. And, you know, I, I know a lot of believers right now that are kind of struggling with their faith because they have a wrong concept of what peace means when we're looking at war now. And they were like, wait, how do we deal with this? See, the problem was they want a peace where it evades problems. Being a peacemaker in a culture that honestly loves violence, and we live in a day and time that loves violence. I mean, just flip on any TV, flip on any movie. Take a peek at what your kids are playing on video games before you turn them loose. Right? We live in a culture that's filled with violence. But guess what? Jesus lived in a day in a culture that was filled with violence. This is not new to us. Do you remember that? That the Romans, they, they held the Jews in oppression. You know, we study things like the Colosseum. And, and we study it in a, a way of history and even art of, oh, look at, look at the architecture of what the Romans built. But do you realize the Colosseum was a place of games and entertainment for the Romans that put Christians as the toys in that Colosseum to play with? I mean, I'll, I'll water this down because I have little ears in this room with me today. But it was, it was hard. There was a lot of things that happened in that Roman culture that I don't know if I'm strong enough to, to live through. It was a lot. You know, when we read about Daniel in the lion's den, that was just fun and games to a lot of Romans, to throw a Christian in there and turn them lines loose. That's what they lived through. So Jesus understood what it meant to be a peacemaker when there's so much violence around you. He knew it was not something easy, the true hard restoration and healing that brings the peace of Christ is going to stand out and look different in the world we live in even today. And standing out, looking different, can lead to persecution. The next verses we read. You know, Jesus was always honest to a fault with his believers and followers. He told them what it looked like to follow him. He was clear that he had not come to make life easy. Church, will you listen to me? Because this is where we struggle so hard. When things get hard, when the world flips upside down, because you have a false theology that believing in Christ is going to make your life easy. And it doesn't. It doesn't stop losing our loved ones. It doesn't stop those test results that tell us things we don't want to hear. It doesn't stop the natural order of life. So Jesus was honest. 
I don't know anything more honest and raw than what he told them that people were going to mock them and, and make fun of them and persecute you and lie about you and say these evil things about you. He told us how it is to be a follower of Christ. When you look different, the world isn't going to like you. You see, the early church, being a Christian, really disrupted their life. Think about these three areas. First of all, their work. If you were, say, a stonemason, and now you've become a Christian, you follow, you follow this way of Jesus, it could disrupt your work life. Because now, when someone would come and look them up and say, hey, I've got a job for you. Great, I need a job, man. Economy economy stinks. Like, the cost of, hey, I can't even travel around town right now and feed my horse. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Who's stuck at home right now because you can't put gas in your tank, right? So an extra job, that sounds great. And then, great, we're going to be building this new temple down here to our God. We want you to come build the temple. Yeah. I don't. Hmm. So then you have to go over here and have this talk with God. God, there's a job. God, you know I need a paycheck, right? <laughs> yeah, but we don't serve that God. Remember that? We, we kind of change things. Sometimes when we follow Christ, it affects our work life when we have to make choices. And for the early Christians, it definitely affected their social life. Because remember, they loved to have feasts and parties. All right? Again, their their time and our time is not real different. But a lot of their feasts and parties would take place in these pagan temples, honoring the other gods. So now as a Christian, and I believe in the one true God, and he's a jealous God, and he says, no other gods before me... I don't know if I can go to that party now. But if I don't go to the party, I don't have a social life. And like, they're going to make fun of me. And hmm, following Jesus changes things. What about home life? Because it's great when, when the whole family believes in Jesus, but what if there's only one member in the family that believes in Jesus? I bet some of us can relate to that too. Because it's not so easy when others don't believe the same way we do. And then you get called the Bible thumper of the family. Oh, you're that one. (laughs) You believe that way. Oh, you don't drink because you believe in Jesus. Hey, that's all my growing up. That ain't nothing to do with y'all. So y'all stop looking at one another out there and giggling. That was just my testimony. Those are the things my brother said to me, you know. I was the cool sister when I was partying with him, but I wasn't so cool anymore when I stopped drinking. (laughs) Home life gets hard when you follow Jesus. You know, two weeks ago in The Chosen, we talked about this last week, we really loved, we saw Matthew, he left everything. He left everything. Luxury. The Roman guard said, dude, do you know what you're doing? You are the best paid Jew in this town. Like you live like no other Jew and you want to give all that up. He said, yeah, I do. And he was out the door. Cambry's favorite little thing. But then this week we saw another one. Broke Diane's heart. (laughs) 
She's been watching the Pharisee Nicodemus and, and how he is drawn to Jesus, and, and he got it, folks. He knew who Jesus was. He put the scriptures together, and he said, you're the one we've been waiting on. Everything I know in the scrolls, it's about you. And he was so excited to know the Messiah. And it just would give you chili bumps because he got it. Until he had to decide to leave everything. And his wife knew something was up and his wife put the pressure on him and she said, Nicodemus, I like our life. Take me back to it. And so he hid around a corner as he watched Jesus leave out with his disciples and he just cried because he made a choice. His wife and her way or Jesus. And he knew he gave up following the Messiah. And Jesus, oh, it broke my heart because Jesus said, and, and nobody around him understood he, who he was talking to, but Jesus said, you were so close. Family, we're so close. But are we following Jesus? Or are we too scared of the things that's going to rock in our world? Are we too scared of, of how different it might make us look? And again, let me clarify, when Jesus talks about that persecution, he's talking about being thrown into the lion's den. He's talking about being burned at a stake. If you know the, the Emperor Nero, I'm not even going to list everything he did, but he would make human torches out of Christians. And they were alive. <laughs> he, would, he would have them put in animal skins and turn them loose and have dogs hunt them like they were wild animals. And that's the cleaned up pretty stuff I can say in front of the kiddos. That was persecution that the early Christians had to deal with because they followed Christ. We throw this term out way too loosely these days. The last few years, we have not been persecuted as Christians at all. And here's how I know. Here's how I know. God blesses those who are persecuted for what? Doing right. And the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Verse 11, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because why? You are my followers. So Jesus said, those of you who are doing right, according to Jesus, those of you who are my followers and to follow Jesus wasn't about showing up on Sunday morning. It was about living a life that Jesus called us to live. Church, we're not being persecuted because most days the world can't even tell the difference between us and them. If I didn't tell them I was a Christian, they might not know it. You see, when 
when we're peacemakers, we look different than the world. When we follow Jesus, I don't have to wear a cross around my neck. I don't have to wear the cool t-shirts. I don't have to... People should know that there's something different. There should be something different, even if they don't understand it. I'm not saying that being different just will equate a sign over my head that says Jesus. As a, as a high schooler, my coach, he was a coach like any coach, but there was something different about Coach Treadway. And I never knew until I became a Christian and started putting things together because he lived different. Oh man, he'd still put us on the line and oh man, he'd let you know when you messed up. But he never cussed us out in that room. He never belittled us when we did mess up. And I knew later, because there were some girls that you just always wondered how they made the team. Now, remember, I'm from Sheridan, so I had more, more people like you really had to make the team. There was cuts made, right? And there was always some people on the team that you thought, how'd they make the team? <laughs> like, I know we, I know we could have put somebody else on here. Because he knew to recognize kids that were at risk and they needed something to belong to. He knew about their life. These are things I learned about him later. <laughs> but I knew there was something different. Church, does the world see anything different in you? Because peace like we think about it is never going to happen on this earth. Because there will always be trials, there will always be tribulations, there will always be wars. See, our idea of peace is without all of that stuff. But peace like Jesus talked about, it's possible every single day. When we wholeheartedly follow him and begin to see people around us that need that right relationship with God, and we begin to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Why? Because we want to be peacemakers. We want to make right relationships. First, me to you. And then I want to tell you how you and him can be right. That's what a peacemaker does. And peacemakers look different. Just this last week, I want you to think of your words and your actions. Were you a peacemaker? Or were you too busy dropping truth bombs on everybody and blowing it up? Because, man, that's what I see when I get on Facebook, and I have to just shut it back down because I'm like, huh, bless their hearts. Because i got to tell my side of the story, and people need to know what I'm doing. Jesus said, nah, I got you. I know who you are. Everybody else, they might mock you. They might persecute you. They may even lie about you. <laughs> Say all sorts of these evil things against you because you follow me. Because you're different all of a sudden. He said, be happy about it. 
Take that attitude tomorrow morning, Monday morning, when you open up your Facebook and you see something that just irritates you to all ends and... Or you get a text today. I bet you don't even leave this parking lot until you check your phone. There's going to be a text that will blow your world up. And I want you to remember what Jesus said. Be happy about it. Be happy about it. Because here's the other half of that. Sometimes when people are hurting us, first of all, hurt people hurt people. Second of all, the enemy uses people against us. And that person doesn't even understand what they're doing sometimes. Because again, they're not living in a right relationship either. And the enemy knows if I can just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing the buttons, you're going to blow. What's the Encanto song? Pressure like a tick, tick, tick till it's ready to blow. Man, I wish I had my little kids in here. They love that song. They'd sing that with me, I bet. Me and Jaylee were singing that last week. You have an enemy, but you have a Savior that's already beaten. When you live in the Spirit that lives in you. Because see, some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, I've tried. Stop trying. Let the Spirit lead you. It's time to let God do what God does inside of you. I heard the best illustration of late of sanctification yesterday from, well, it was Andrew Marston. Y'all know Andrew. He he shared this with us. This is his illustration of, of sanctification. When we get saved, it's like putting your arms. So, so imagine that you have this big vase of water. And you put your arm down in there, and the water just covers you. It comes to the very tip top of that container. Salvation. Jesus covers us. He forgives us of our sins. But at sanctification, which is where I say, God, you can have all of me. Like, I don't want you to just take the things I messed up on. I want you to have all of me. I want you to, to lead my life. And you pull that arm out of the vase. What happens to the water? It begins to lower, right? This is a physics lesson. That means there's, there's more room in there. You see, at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. That's, that's, it, it happens. But it's sanctification, and we take ourselves out of the equation. God, I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way. That means there's room left in this container. God, I want you to fill it up with your spirit. I want him to enter every part. God, I kind of got a little piece of this message today. I want to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to, first of all, be right with you, God, but I want to be right with others, and I want to help them figure out how to do that. How do I do that? Get yourself out of the way and let the Holy Spirit fill you up because it's his job to do it anyway. You're never going to change a person. You're going to pray for that person. You're going to love that person, and you're going to be Jesus in the flesh to that person, and then it's going to be the Holy Spirit that convicts that person. And then that person has to make a decision on whether or not they want to follow Jesus. And when they say, no, I don't want what you got, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus Christ.
But it's your job to tell them about it. It's your job to be the Jesus they may never open a Bible to see. They may never walk through this door to hear a message I tell. So you tell them. You be the peacemaker. Stand with me this morning, church. Blessed are those who make this world a better place for everyone to live in. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and Father, I know that every person in here, you you have stories working in their lives. There is chaos. There are things they are dealing with. And God, somebody today, they just need to reach out to you and say, Oh, Lord, lead me. I've been doing it my way, but Lord, today's the day I'm going to let you do it your way. These altars are open. I know God works in those pews. He has worked with me so many times in those pews. But let me tell you, there is some power to taking a knee before God and surrendering all that you have to him. So these altars are open. If you need to come and pray this morning and you want your church family around you to pray, we will do that. Restoration, Lord. Let's let's heal some relationships in this room today, Lord. First with you. Father, forgive us where we have not followed. Forgive us where, God, we have not sought to be peacemakers. Oh, we want peace. We pray for peace all the time. But, God, we haven't been trying to make peace in your name. We haven't turned over the things that irritate us. We haven't turned over the things we can't change. Lord, I pray we lay those things down today. And Father, I I pray that if we are right with you, that God, you start a fire within us with your Holy Spirit today. Just like on the day of Pentecost when the, the Spirit came, it was like tongues of fire landing on every disciple. I pray that over every person in this room, that a fire begins to build in us, that God, we can't contain any longer. We want to share the news of Jesus Christ. And God, we understand as we listen today, that's going to make me look different I'm going to start making some different choices. And people are going to make fun of me for it, Lord. But I'm going to be happy. Because I'm following who you called me to be. As a disciple, as a believer, as a Christian, may we look different. Father, as we leave this place, I pray that there will be opportunities to share. I pray that people will see a difference in each and every one of us, and they'll begin to ask why. And may we be bold enough to give them the real answer. Because of Jesus. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. Father, I pray for the Grogan family today. As I know they get to celebrate the life of Carolyn. But it's still a loss and an emptiness here for the family. So I pray comfort. I pray healing today. As the next couple of days, I know, is, is hard. But may they find joy today in remembering her legacy. And may they continue that legacy. And maybe they don't have crosses in their purses, but God, may that be a lesson to us that we should always have Jesus ready to give to anyone we come in contact with that maybe just needs a little brightening today. Tell them how much you appreciate what they do. Father, be with that family. 
Father, go with us as we leave this place. And may we remember who we are and the things you you have done for us. And may we live in a different fashion because of who you are. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people together said, Amen. Church family, have a beautiful day, board. We're going to have a quick little meeting, and go be a blessing to someone today. Have a good day. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.